Okay, now let's talk about the adjusted cost and the equity method. So the adjusted cost and the equity method. So we talked earlier about marketable debt securities and we've got trading available held to maturity. Now what we're looking at is I've got equity. What is equity? Stocks, right? So I'm buying stock in the company. Um, you know, let's say for example, back in the old days when I was single and I, hey, what you, how you doing? My name's Raj, hey, nice to meet you. Like, what do you do for a living? I own Microsoft and everyone's like, woo, you own Microsoft. Yeah, I really own 100 shares of Microsoft, right? Worth six, $7,000, but they got the impression that, hey, I own Microsoft. Now, how do I account for that investment? That's what we're talking about. If it is stock equity, the requirements are fair market value, right? As we said earlier, you are required to use fair market value. But if, for example, there is no fair market value, we might have to use an adjusted cost. If you buy 10% of Roger CP Review, I am not yet publicly traded. I don't know what the fair value is, so we'll have to figure out some practical expedient or some fair market value. If not, we'll use what we call adjusted cost method. Now, it all depends on how much of the stock do you own in the company. And that's what we're basically looking at here. So when we look, and you'll see this great chart in your notes, but I'm going to go over it right now. If we own 0 to 20% of your stock, 0 to 20% of your stock, you have no influence over the management of the company. Therefore, you have no significant voting influence. Therefore, we'll use, obviously, if it's you know stock normally fair value, we don't know fair value, we'll use adjusted cost method. We'll call it adjusted cost or cost method, whatever way you want to do it. The implication is you own about 0 to 20% of the stock. You don't really have any significant influence over the company. If instead I own 20 to 50%, if I were to call up Microsoft and go, hello, Microsoft, I'm Roger Phillip, one of the owners of Microsoft, and they go, oh, how much stock do you own? I own 20%, or I'm sorry, 20% is a lot. I own 100 shares, they're gonna hang up on me. I'm a nobody. If Mr. Bill Gates calls, hi, this is Bill Gates. I own 30% of Microsoft with $80 billion, right? Somehow when you become rich, you talk like that. Hello, I have to talk like that. So he talks like that. He's worth $80 billion. They're gonna go, yes, Mr. Gates, we understand, and so on, right? So same thing, Zuckerberg at Facebook. The point is, equity, they, you have significant influence. In other words, who declares the dividends? The board of directors. The board of directors hires the management. The management runs the company for the shareholders. I'll show you in a minute. The shareholders vote in the board. So if the board doesn't declare a dividend, the shareholders are going to vote out the board and put a new board in who will declare the dividend. Therefore, they don't control, but they have significant influence. So when the company makes money, you can be reasonably assured that you're going to get it eventually in the form of a dividend. So as your investment value, as you go up in value, my 30% goes up. When you go down by paying a dividend, I go down. So it follows your equity balance. That's the equity method in a sense, called one-line consolidation. Consolidation is this. That's when you have control. And the, the implication is we have control. That is called 50% or more, which we call consolidation. I wrote control twice, consolidation. So consolidation is where you take your company, my company, put them together in combined consolidated statements so it looks like we're one and the same. Now, if you own zero to 20 or 20 to 50%, the two people are called investor and investee. If you own 50% or more, we call them acquirer and acquiree. Uh, used to, you know, parent, sub, parent, 
subsidiary, acquirer, acquiree. So you'll see here acquirer, acquiree, investor, investee, offeror, offeree, assignor, assignee, guarantor, guarantee, mortgagor, mortgagee, rodjor, rodgee. No, I'm just kidding. But O-R-E-E, -E, the O-R offeror makes an offer to the offeree in order to, and so on. So investor, investee, acquirer, acquiree. Now, in this case, zero to 20, think about adjusted cost basis, 20 to 50 is equity considered one line consolidation. That's the concept that we're dealing with as far as how we're acquiring it. All right. If you look in your notes, you'll see that zero to 20 investment does not provide investor with ability to access significant influence used when fair value is not readily determinable. Because again, if fair value is determinable, we will use that approach first. If you can't do it, we can't figure it out another way as we talked about earlier, then what do we do? We will just use adjusted cost. Requires an election to choose this method. Uh, 20 to 50% one line consolidation. The investor has ability to exercise significant influence over the company and that talks about voting influence. Investor does not have a controlling financial interest in the entity. Consolidation, which again we'll talk about later in the in the cram. The investor has a controlling financial interest, right? Control. Woo, little moonwalk. There you go. Got to stay with me. Yeah, there you go. Little moonwalk in Michael Jackson's memory. Um, may result from equity ownership of other factors such as representation on the board and so on. And we'll look at factors down the road as far as when you consolidate or when you use the equity method. Now, thinking back in our good old, um, I don't know, in auditing, you may have studied stuff like this, but let's look at how a company's set up. You've got the board of directors, right? And the board of directors, they're in charge of the general operations of the company, general operations. Some of the things that they do is they hire the management of the company, right? They declare dividends. They buy back treasury stock, and these are all things we'll learn in the BEC exam, but these are some of the things they do. Management is in charge of the day-to-day -day operations, and one of their jobs is to run the company for the owners of the company. Who are the owners? The stockholders. The stockholders, I own stock in this company, Bank of America. I therefore get to vote. Who do I vote in? The board. So you can see that I vote in the board, the board declares dividends, the board hires management, and they, management, run the company for me, the owner. So depending on how much stock I own is how much influence I have. If I own 100 shares of stock in Bank of America, I have no real influence over the board. So whether they declare a dividend or not, I may or may never get it. So in that case, I generally don't declare my dividend income until I touch the money. If I own 20 to 50%, I have significant voting influence over the board. So if the board says, we're not going to declare a dividend this year, then I can say, okay, let's vote the board out, put a new board in who will declare a dividend. Or let's say I don't like the president of the company. And I go to the board, I go, hey, I don't like the president. I don't think he's doing a good job. And the board says, oh, well, he's my son-in-law. I go, well, I think it's time you replace him or I'm going to vote you out, put someone else in there who will then. So I don't control it, but I have a lot of significant voting influence. That's the concept of significant influence, right? A voting interest. Control means we own 50% or more of this company. Really, we're one and the same. Let's consolidate the statements, put them together because it's really one and the same. It's kind of like what we're looking at. The companies are very closely related. So that's what we're talking about as far as how this situation ties together. All right, let's look at the equity method. Some of the key things here. 
It says, uh, the equity method is used when the investor has the ability to exercise significant influence over the operating and financial policies of the investee. Uh, the method is more consistent with accrual accounting in that the investor recognizes the share of investee's income and the period earned regardless of if or when the income is distributed. As I said, we don't care when we touch the money, but if you earn money, you're worth more, my investment should be worth more. If you pay out money and so on. So basically, as your retained earnings, stockholders' equity goes up and down, my investment will follow and go up or down as well. Now, here's the deal. We're trying to say, do you have significant influence? That's where we come up with some of the factors. And these are some of the factors that tell us whether or not. So it says, even if you own 20% or less than 20%, you need to consider how much influence exists. Some of the factors, significant intercompany transactions or technological dependency, that helps us to determine whether or not it's going to be considered the equity method or the cost method. So I don't have 20%, you know, because notice here at 20%, is it this or this, this or this? These are some of the factors that help you determine. Uh, officers of the investor serving as officers or board members of the investee. The investor is a major customer supplier of the investee. The investor owns at least 20% of the voting stock provided no other investor holds more or a small group of investors owns a majority of the equity. And that's why later we'll look at, I own 30%, but someone else owns 70, so I still might not be doing the equity method, might do the adjusted cost method. Uh, the investor has definite plans to acquire additional stock in the future to bring their interest up to 20%. All right, so that's what we're looking at. So under this method, basically, we originally record the investment at cost. As the investee reports earn, earns money, this is recorded as an increase in the investor's books multiplied by the percent that they own. This is considered equity and earnings and shown on the income statement as a component of continuing operations. So basically, as you earn money, your interest goes up. So I'm going to debit investment and credit an account called equity in earnings. And that equity and earnings is an income statement account. So you earn money, I have significant influence over you, you're worth more, my investment should be worth more, I'm going to take that share times my 25% and I'm going to record it as what we call equity and earnings, which is an income statement account. It says here, dividends received are considered a reduction. Dividends received are considered a reduction of the investment account and do not appear on the income statement. Any difference paid between the purchase price of the investment and the book value of the investee's assets must be accounted for. How are those differences accounted for? Basically, I call it fair market value increment or write-up, which we'll look at in a problem in a few minutes. It says fair market value of the assets. Now, when we write it up, what happens? If that is attributed to property, plant, and equipment, what do you do to PP&E every year? De -de 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 depreciate it. That's what we're going to do, depreciate. If it's inventory, sounds like a rap song, De -de 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 depreciate. Hey, inventory, inventory is basically written off when you sell it, right? It becomes like cost of goods sold. Land, uh, written off when you sell it, but do we depreciate land? No, we don't. Goodwill is written down or written off as it is impaired. So those are just a couple of things that you're going to see in a few minutes that we're doing um, that uh, basically that we're going to be doing as far as some of the calculations. Now, the adjusted cost or the cost method is a little bit different because the cost method, that's what we're going to use when you don't know the fair market value of your equity securities. And as I said, if it is a publicly traded company, we know what the value is, right? So it should be at fair market value, which makes sense. Kind of like the trading securities method earlier, where we talked about trading available for sale, held, and maturity. Think of trading, you buy the stock, goes up in value, 
income statement goes down in value, income statement, those are unrealized. When you finally sell it, that's realized income statement as well, generally an operating activity. If it doesn't have a market value, that's when we have to look at this. So it says here, when no significant influence exists, then we must determine if the investment has a readily determinable market value. And again, because if significant, uh, significant um, influence exists, it would be equity. What's the market value? If a market value exists, investment is adjusted to fair value at the balance sheet date with unrealized gains and losses reported in earnings, which is your income statement. Um, so that's basically what we're going to be doing as far as looking at that value. Now, if it doesn't, it says the investment also does not qualify to be measured by applying the practical expedient. The entity may elect to report it at cost minus impairment losses. That's called our adjusted cost basis that have been recognized and adjusted for any changes resulting from the observable price changes. All right. Um, so that's what we're going to be looking for. And we're going to have to look every year, every period we look to see is there an observable price? Is there a better estimate of what fair value is? Because our goal is really we're trying to hang on to the fair value. If not, as a last resort, that's when we're going to use this adjusted cost. Now the adjusted cost is cost net of impairment losses. So what are the impairment losses? Impairment losses means that somehow we think the value has been impaired. For example, a deterioration in earnings, changes in regulatory or economic or technological environment, changes in market conditions re relative to geography, industry, a bona fide offer to purchase the entity or a completed uh, auction process for less than the carrying value. Factors affect the investor's ability to continue as a going concern. So we think that there's a doubt about whether or not they will continue as a going concern. Again, a going concern is a business that is going. It is operating. When there's such an indication, uh, if the fair value is lower than the carrying value, in which case an impairment loss is recognized, the impairment loss reduces the carrying value of the investment and is reported in the current period's income. So we write it down. Could we recover that? Write it back up? Sure. If the, you know, whatever we think fair market value is, that's what we want to do. Now, what are we going to do for this? If no market value exists, then use the adjusted cost method. The original investment is recorded at cost. When the investee earns money, no journal entry is recorded. When dividend is received, it's recorded as dividend income on the income statement. Right, it's not a reduction of investment. In rare cases, if you got what they call a return of capital or a liquidating dividend, that's when you could reduce the investment, debit, cash, credit, investment. Otherwise, if it's just a dividend, you get money. It's like when I own Microsoft. I don't know when they earn money, when they report their earnings, I don't make a journal entry. If it were the equity method, I would. Under the adjusted cost method, they make money, great. I'm not going to record it till I touch the money. I get a dividend in the mail, debit, cash, credit, dividend income, right? Taxable item. That would go on my income statement, on my uh, tax return too, but on my income statement. Uh, no difference between book value and purchase price is taken into consideration. So remember we talked about the differences under equity. We're going to take that fair market value increment. It could be PP&E, inventory, land, goodwill, whatever. Here, we don't really care about that difference. No difference between the two is noticed, so no difference between the two is really uh, kept track of. So that's what we're basically doing as far as keeping that amount. So what I want to do is I want to apply how do you do the cost method or adjusted cost, how do you do the equity method, and as we go through the problem, I think those bullets for both equity and cost will start to make a little bit more sense. So let's do this example and we'll do the journal entries both under the equity and the cost method and I think you'll see pretty clearly how it flows and you'll love this example because I created it myself. Example for both equity and cost. On 1-1-X-1, 
We acquire 30% of a company for $1,000. During the year, the fair value of the investee is $3,000. Uh, during the year, the investment reports income, the fair value of this is $3,000 the book value is $2,500. The difference is from PP&E with a fair value $500 higher than the book value. During the year, the investment reports income of $120 and pays dividends of $40. PP&E is depreciated over 10 years and 10% of initial goodwill is impaired. Hmm. Okay. So that means we've got a few issues there to determine. So we'll have to see whether or not and what the uh, accounting is. All right, so when we go through this, it looks like I'm paying $3,000 and I'm paying $3,000, uh, I'm sorry, I paid $1,000, the fair value is three and the book value is 2,500. All right, so as we go through that and we look at this, let's see what's going on here. <laughs> All right. So we'll do this under the equity method, then we'll do it again under the cost. So here's equity, and then afterwards we'll do cost. Okay, so starting out, let's see what I paid, let's see what it's worth, and all that. All right, so I'm paying purchase price $1,000. But when we look at it, we're saying, okay, well, what is it in your books for? What's going on? We're saying that the fair market value is $3,000, and I'm getting what percent? 30%, that's worth 900 bucks. And the book value is 2,500. I'm getting 30%. Five, three times, that's 750. Okay, so I'm paying 1,000 for something that's worth 900 and it's their books for 750. So what we have to do is keep track of the differences. Remember the equity method's called the what? The one line consolidation. So we've got to keep track of those differences to see what's going on. So what this says is that boom, boom, this is called goodwill, which is 100. This is called fair market value write-up, which is 150. Now, goodwill, what do you do? Every year you test it for impairment. If the value drops, you write it down. Do you ever recover it? Not under GAAP. Under IFRS, you can. What is the fair market value write-up? We just said in your notes, what is it? We said it's either going to be PP&E, inventory, or land, and the rest is what? The rest is what? Goodwill. So, PP&E, inventory, land, the rest is goodwill. All right, so that's what the difference is. So in this particular case, in the question it said, during the year, PP&E is depreciated 10 years, goodwill is tested for impairment, and $10 was impaired, and fair value of the asset is 3,000, and the book value is 2,500. Okay, beautiful. So, let's go through some journal entries, and we'll see what's going on. Under the equity method, when you buy the investment, like in anything, you debit investment, credit, cash, or whatever you gave them. Then, I'm called the investor, you're the investee. So, the investee earns money. When you earn money, you're worth more, my investment should go up. So, my investment goes up, and I record it as equity in earnings, which is an income statement account. Where on your income statement? I like to go surfing where? On the Titan OC, O-N, other non-operating investment income. Then you pay a dividend. When you pay a dividend, obviously I'm getting cash, but I don't credit income because I already counted it as income. I double count. So in instead, I take it out of the investment. This next journal entry is the trickiest one. It's called amortization 
depreciation or impairment. And what it means is you're amortizing intangibles or you're depreciating fixed assets or goodwill you test for impairment. Basically what happens is because this investment and basically the investment includes what? Let's come back over here. When I bought the investment, I paid a thousand, but it really included 750 plus 150 of equipment plus a hundred of goodwill. So if I were to break it out, it would be 750 plus 150 plus a hundred is my thousand. Now, what do you do to goodwill? Test it for impairment. They said it was impaired and only worth 90. I'll have to take out 10. They said this is going to last 10 years. I'll take out 15. So notice that normally if you depreciate an asset, you debit depreciation expense credit accumulated. But because I never debited fixed asset, it's really in the investment, I reduce the investment. I never debited goodwill. If I did, when the value drops, I would credit goodwill. But I never debited it. Instead, I debited investment. So when the value drops, credit investment. That's what I mean by one line consolidation because it's kind of like consolidating in that one line. So if I go back to here, debit investment for a thousand, cash a thousand, the thousand really represents 750 of their book value plus 150 to write it up for PP&E, property, plant, and equipment, plus a hundred dollars of goodwill. Now, they said that the goodwill was impaired by $10. Okay, so I'm going to have to take out $10 of there. They said equipment is depreciated over 10 years. That's 15 bucks. I'll take that out and I'll show you how to do that in just a minute. Okay. It said during the year they had income of 120 and paid dividends of 40. So if they had income of one, uh, income of 120, all right. Now, if they had income of 120, what share of the income of 120 is mine? I only own what? 30% of it, that's 36. So debit investment, 36, credit earnings, 36. So if I set up a T account for the investment, it would look like debit investment for 1,000. My investment just went up by 36. Then they paid a dividend of $40. Of the dividend, 40 at 30% or 12 is mine. So that would be debit cash, 12, credit investment, 12, take out 12. And then we've got to worry about this other amortization depreciation. So here's my point. In this thousand investment, 10 has to come out because of goodwill impairment. Normally you would debit goodwill and then credit goodwill. I never debit, it's called one line consolidation. When I teach you consolidations, we'll set up goodwill and PP&E. But here, one line, it's buried in the investment. So if I want to back it out, how do I back it out? Credit investment. And if I were to debit depreciation expense or impairment loss, they would go to the income statement, which would reduce income, which is kind of a reduction of this equity and earnings. It would be a debit equity in earnings. So notice that this is a reduction of income, like an expense. So that's the entry. It's basically the opposite of this. That's to record amortization, depreciation, or impairment. So in this case, I'm going to take out the depreciation of 15 and the impairment of 10 or 25 bucks. So let's take out 25 and 25. So what I did here is backed out the 25. Therefore, my investment's 136 minus 37 
or 999. That's my ending investment in the balance sheet. They like to ask one or two questions. How much is your ending investment? Or what is your income statement effect? This is balance sheet, balance sheet, balance sheet, income, balance sheet, balance sheet, income, balance sheet. So the net effect is credit this, debit this, or 11. That's income statement, that's balance sheet. That's called the equity method called the one line consolidation. Let me do it again, okay? So I buy the investment for $1,000. They told me the fair value is 3,000. If I'm getting 30%, it's worth 900. They also said the book value, now what is the difference between book value and fair value? What it means is book value is what I'm being carried in my book set, called book value or carrying value, same thing. So if I bought a piece of equipment for $100 and I'm depreciating it over 10 years, one year later, after $10 of depreciation, it's in my books at 100 minus 10 or 90. And the next year, 80. And the next year, 70 is the book value, but it's really worth 150. That's fair value versus book value. Okay, but you keep it at book value, but when I'm buying you, I want to know what fair value is because I should write them up to fair value and any excess should be goodwill. All right, so this is what I paid, what it's worth, what it's in their books for. We said this difference is goodwill. This difference could be one of three things. What are they? They could be PP&E. What do you do to PP&E? Depreciate. They could be inventory. What do you do to inventory? You sell it. It could be land. What do you do to land? Do you depreciate land? No. And the reason I tell you that is the following. Let's come back over here. Remember I said that in this thousand it's 750 plus 150. If this 150 is equipment, then you're gonna depreciate it like we did here. If the difference is land, don't take anything out because we don't depreciate land, we assume it lives forever. Unless you live in Malibu where a big wave washes it away. If it is inventory, they'll tell you you sold all of it, half of it, or none of it. If you sold all of it and this was $100 of inventory, take out 100. If you sold half of it, take out half, 50. If you sold none of it, don't take any out. Because when you sell it, what's your journal entry? Credit inventory, which you never debited inventory because it's in the investment, and you would debit cost of goods sold, which is an expense, which reduces income. That's what we did here, debited or reduced income. So that's the concept, that's the entry. Let's do the same question under the cost method. Under the cost method, it's real easy, watch. You buy the investment, debit investment, 1,000, credit cash, 1,000. When they make money, no journal entry. When they pay a dividend, you just debit cash for whatever you got, 12, and credit dividend income. Where does, Excuse me. Where does dividend income go? What statement? Income statement. Where? N, other, non-operating investment income. The amortization depreciation, you don't have to worry about. So at the end of the year, how much should my investment be? You bought it for a thousand, no change. It's whatever it cost you, because it hasn't changed, called the cost method. Mm. The only one exception, which I'll teach you later, if instead of this dividend, it was called a liquidating dividend, and a liquidating dividend is called a return of capital. That means that they are paying money out when they never earned any. Well, then it can't be coming out of the retained earnings. It must be coming out of their additional paid-in capital. Therefore, you would debit cash and credit investment. But this would only be if it's a liquidating dividend, if they tell you. But I'll show you that in stockholders' equity. So you'll see that in your notes, you'll see the journal entry, 
there in that box, you'll see under the equity method, under the cost method. Okay, so now what about a change in the ownership percentage? So let's say, for example, you went from equity method to cost method. So I own 40%, going down to 10%, what do you do? Just use cost method prospectively, today and tomorrow. What if instead we went from cost to equity? Obviously you bought more, I had 10, let's purchase more to 40. So basically after you increase the carrying value of the investment by what you acquired, you're also now going to also use this prospectively. In other words, from that day, you increase it, and then you just go forward. You no longer, in the past, you used to go retrospective, go back and catch up. You no longer do that. So both of these are treated, treated similarly, where it's currently and prospectively, which means what? Looking forward. Okay, let's look at investments in uh, financial instruments under IFRS. There are basically three different ways to account for it. Um, basically, it talks about either the amortized cost, and that would be, again, for like investments in bonds, because basically it calls for scheduled payments, and then you're going to get the principal, you know, like generally you're going to get the principal at the end, and you're getting interest throughout scheduled payments. Uh, this is if you're expecting to hold it until it matures. That would be amortized cost. There you've got your discount premium. You're going to amortize it out, effective interest method, just like what I teach you in bonds. Another method is fair value through OCI, through other comprehensive income. That is if they intend to either hold it or they could dispose of it. But the point is it still deals with what we call bonds because the instrument calls for scheduled payments. The entity's business model has an objective that can either hold or sell them. Um, so that's something they can do. So the gains or losses go through other comprehensive income. The third method is called fair value through profit or loss. Fair value PTL, uh, TPL through profit or loss. In that case, what we're going to do is recognize profit or loss, the changes would go to your income statement. If there's an impairment, if it's fair value through profit or loss, goes to your income statement. If it's amortized cost or fair value through profit or, or OCI, it goes to an allowance account. Um, also, it talks about if you have an investment, do you have significant influence? Uh, it says an investment in an associate account for under the equity method. Significant influence indicates the investor has the authority and power to participate in the policy decisions of the investee without having or sharing control. If you have control, consolidate. If it's what we call sharing control, if you have a joint venture, a joint venture, use the equity method. If it is instead a joint operation, then we would use proportionate consolidation. Let's do a couple of questions on this. Look at question number one. Now, here's my trick for you. Remember this. When you do a financial accounting FAR question and you see the answers are dollar amounts, always, always, always read the last sentence first. Now, what do I mean by that? Read the last sentence first because I want you to get used to looking at, the, because they're going to give you so much stuff you don't need just to confuse you and ruin your career. Read, skip through that, read the last sentence. What are they looking for? Now let's read the background and start picking, getting picky. So remember, you got a minute and a half per question on average. So let's start getting used to that. Last sentence first, what amount should Sage report in its income statement from its investment in Adams for the year end of December 31st? So what amount should they report as income statement? Sage. Now, income statement means what? It means here, how much is the net of this? That's income, income, 11 bucks. But we'll see as we go through it. Sage Inc. bought 40% of Adam Corp's outstanding common stock on January 2nd for 400 grand. The carrying amount of their net assets at the purchase date totaled 900. 
Fair value and carrying amounts were the same for all items except plant and inventory. What do you do to plant? D -d 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 Depreciate. What do you do to inventory? Sell it. What do you do to goodwill? Amort uh, uh, impair it. What do you do to land? Nothing. Uh, for which the fair values exceeded their carrying amounts by 90 and 10 respectively. What do the words respectively mean? It means the first word goes to the first dollar amount, the second word goes to the second. So when they told us plant and inventory, that means 10, uh, 90 for plant and 10 for inventory. The plan has an 18-year life. All inventory was sold during the year. What does that mean? It means you're going to take all of it out. During X3, Adams reported net income of 120 and paid 20,000 in dividends. Assume Sage uses only the equity method to account for the investment. What amount should we report in its income statement? Okay, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. We're beautiful. Da 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 da. da. All right, whatever. Fine, I won't sing. Yeah, my mom said I had a pretty voice. Of course, moms are supposed to lie to you. All right, oh, here we go. All right. How much am I paying for the investment? Looks like about 40% for 400 grand. So purchase price, 400 grand. What I need to do is figure out of the 400 grand, let's see how it's broken up. It said that their carrying amount was 900. So 900 at 40% is 360. That's my share, 360. It said that the 900 was equal to fair value except for the 90 of inventory and the 10, I'm sorry, the 90 of equipment and the 10 of inventory. That's a million. So if I add it back from book value to fair market value, if I'm getting 40%, that's 400. So notice, this is a little tricky, but all, none of it's goodwill, all of it is something else. So of the 40, they're telling me that 90 is PP&E and 10 of it is inventory. Okay, so I could do this a couple of ways. 9 plus 10 is 100. 90% is equipment. 10% is inventory. So 90% of this is 36 is PP&E. And 10% of this or 4 is inventory. They told me this was going to live 18 years, so I'm going to depreciate 2 a year. So of this, I've got PP&E of 36 over 18 is 2. Inventory, I sold all of it. So that's four that's going to go bye-bye. None of it was land. Okay. So when I debit it for 400, it really is 360 plus 4 plus 36. So let's come on down. And just so we can learn, let's just clean this whole mess up. Because I think it's about time that we make sure we understand it. Because for some of us, we've done this before, we should be pretty fast at it. For some of us, pff, we've never done it before, but we'll do it together. So let's buy the investment, debit investment for 400, credit cash, 400. Boom. What is the investment? It's 360 purchase plus 36 PP&E plus 4 inventory. If there was land, it would go there too. Then, they earned income. It said... They earned income of 120 and paid dividends of 20. So they earn income of 120. I get 40% or 48. What's my journal entry, anybody? Just yell at the screen. I can hear you. I hear that. I hear that. Nice voice. So what do I do? Debit investment for 48, credit, equity, 
in earnings 48. Hey, where does this go? I forgot income statement, where and other non-operating investment. So that's the 48. So let's set up an investment T account so I can keep track. I debited investment for 400. I just added 48 for income. They pay dividends of 20. Debit cash, and that's 20. I get 40, was it 20 at 40%, which is eight. Cash and credit investment for eight. Take out eight. Then we have the amortization depreciation, which is the opposite of this, debit equity and earnings and credit investment. Okay, this is where it comes. So if it were land, zero. Why? You don't depreciate land. If it's inventory and they sold all of it, take out all of it, four and four. They also said we have depreciation of 36 over 18 years is two, so take out two and two, that equals six. So we've got 448, 440, 434. If they asked you for the ending investment, 434. If you sold half of it, debit cash, credit half of that, the difference is gain or loss. Because that's your carrying value of the investment. Now what's income? Equity and earnings is income. This is income, income. So four to 48 minus four minus two is 42. That's the question, that's the answer they're looking for. Look at the next one, number two. Parco uses the equity method to account for its uh, January 1st purchase of Tune Inc's common stock. On January 1st, if the fair value of Tune's FIFO and land exceeded their carrying amounts, how do these excess fair values over carrying amount affect their earnings? Here's what they're saying. Let's say we're taking stuff out of this number. How does that affect this? From here to here, what happens? If we have inventory, what does it do? Reduces it. If we have EPP&E, reduces it. If you add goodwill impairment, reduces it. If you have land, no effect. So, inventory, decrease. Land, no effect. I'm adding PP&E, decrease. Goodwill, amortize it, uh, impair it, decrease. So I want you to understand what question two is asking because then it falls into place then it starts to make some sense. All right. So that's cost versus equity. In a minute, we'll talk about what? Marketable security.